0: it's my greatest hope that we can meet in person for the first time at
1: like a live show oh i thought you were gonna say applebee's
0: i mean that would be like second choice but i wouldn't say no to mozzarella sticks
1: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to cancer for breakfast with amy and steph i'm amy and i'm steph
0: We try to make Cancer for Breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone. It may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and
1: educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. <laughs> Hi, Steph. Hi, Amy. Hello, it's Cancer for Breakfast.
0: That's the name of our podcast.
1: We are going to talk a little bit today about the body. Bodies. Body. The bodies exhibit.
0: <laughs> I was going to say the bodies <laughs> exhibit. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite thing to emerge from that giant vulva
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have it at the Science Center. I love it. Oh, God. Well, welcome to the body's exhibit for breakfast. (laughs) The thing about cancer is it really can fuck your body up.
0: Oh, it really can. I think it almost always does, in fact.
1: I know. I was actually just trying to think of, like, what cancer, like, what is, like, the stage one easy, like, there just isn't one. Like, there's nothing that is easy easy. I mean... Yeah, no cancer will allow you to escape
0: unscathed. It's true. Like... Yeah, even the most treatable, like, melanoma.
1: Yeah, but then with melanoma, you could get, like, lymph nodes removed as well to make sure that it hasn't spread, you know, or... I mean, not always, though, you know.
0: It all fucks you up. It fucks you up. And what's so crazy about cancer is that, um, like, the entire point of getting the treatment is that
1: you get to keep having a body. (laughs) You have to. That's like the entire purpose of it (laughs) is so that you get to keep having a body for as long as possible. But it's like a scratch and dent body. (laughs) Scratch (laughs) and dent? Did you just coin that?
0: No, that's what they call it when you're getting like a secondhand, like busted up dryer at a discount. You know, they like dinged the
1: box so you get it on a deal. Amazing scratch and dent body (laughs) um which is often just as good No, it is it's better than nothing that's for damn sure i mean i think that a dented washer is cleans the clothes just as well but amen i do feel like i go between depending on who i'm talking to like oh my god it's so shitty they like destroy your body they cancer is a they Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm to like people who are new in the game where I'm like, you know what? It's fine though. Like, you know, you're going to be, so I do feel that way though. With Like new people are listening where it's like, everybody is different. The ways that like my body is destroyed are different than the ways that Steph's body is destroyed Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. yours will be (laughs) (laughs) just Just kidding. To look forward to. Yeah, you get, but it is a lot, though, to deal with and not a lot of people truly understand. It's true.
0: I feel like everybody assumes that getting through treatment means that you are just done and everything's fine and back to normal. But the fact is, if you are somebody who's lucky enough to, you know, have that end point of treatment, it's not over for you. You've still got, you know, all of the shit that happened to you during treatment that you got to deal with. And like you get long-term problems from a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that they do to you to cure your cancer. Like, yeah. What kind of things do you have? Even though you're, you're like still technically in treatment. Cause you take
1: meds, but I'm out of active treatment. Right. And so it is interesting because as you were just saying that I was thinking everything from the second you're diagnosed to The rest of your life is a big question mark, essentially, for anybody that goes through this, right? And Mm -hmm. right now, my big question mark is kind of like, well, which things that I'm experiencing right now are side effects of medication I'm taking, side effects from treatment I received that are temporary, Mm -hmm. and which things are just like permanent from the treatment I've received or permanent from... The medication i'm taking too you know what i mean like yeah like even this menopause shot that i get every month steph and i are very open about mm-hmm. our uh <laughs> fake menopause that we're being put into right now to That's shut our right. ovaries down it's like there are side there are side effects to that that are reversible the whole shot in itself is reversible like i could stop doing this if the side effects were so terrible i could stop mm-hmm. doing it and i would come out of menopause right which is right kind of like a well, shit why shouldn't i try it is how i was thinking when it was recommended to me and as i've been doing it for like i don't know eight, nine months now mm-hmm. like my face is aging in a way because it like fucks with your collagen and yeah. like
0: and you're dry all over you're dry yeah. all
1: over mm-hmm. estrogen isn't just something that does something to your vagina it's like doing things through your whole body right and so you're like basically chopping that off and yeah you know but i was thinking like okay so if i did decide to quit doing this if the whatever hot flashes are so intolerable that i quit which isn't what i'm planning on doing yeah um is my face just permanently like Old now or do, right. do when the estrogen right. comes back, is it more elastic or like I don't fucking know.
0: You plump back up. <laughs> you're like one of those little grow mermaid. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I mean, and obviously a lot of that probably comes down to how old you are when right. you're going through that loss of estrogen. But like, I mean, we're 40, so I have to assume that a lot of that is just not gonna be reversible. And That's a lot to to deal with, you know, like to put yourself into that phase of life before you're probably ready to to be a golden girl, you know? Yeah. People don't talk about what menopause is like. Like we've got the cartoon version of it. Right. Like on the Golden Girls where we see, you know, they're spraying themselves down with a water bottle because of the hot flashes. But Mm -hmm. in reality, it's like your hair is thinning. You know, you have mood swings. You're like I said, you're dry all over. There's that
1: loss of elasticity in your skin. And and yeah. it's a lot. And it's like a taboo thing in our culture, which I just think is so interesting. Oh, absolutely. And it has been for like ever. I almost feel like it's going to be our generation when like the people who are 40 now or like around there, give or take a handful of years are like you know 10 years from now 15 years from now are going through natural menopause like Mm -hmm. i think by the nature of our generation we'll be like actually fuck that shit like why should we be quiet about this you know like what you're afraid that you're gonna seem like unfuckable like i don't want to fuck you anyway you know like exactly what it is yes because there's that whole
0: thing like the mother-daughter crone cycle where when you're um or daughter mother crone where you know the mother period is the only time that you have any
1: relevance to society and as soon right. as you cross over then you're just completely invisible yeah you um, lose all power so of course why would these women be being vocal about it right now when i mean yeah, you do get power from being a sexual person which right you know whether you like it or not or whether that's fair yeah and
0: it you're not it's not like you want to raise your hand and say oh hi I'm <laughs> I'm having some uh, body issues that render me unfuckable and irrelevant to the... Seth,
1: <laughs> you are so fuckable.
0: So quit it. <laughs> Thank
1: and you. Slap those words
0: right out of your mouth. Thank you. I uh, do not buy into that. But, you know, like, it, I, I do hope what you're saying is right, that it's our generation that can change that perception. Because I do feel like, you know, we're a little bit more into, like, the elder... Mm -hmm. elder women of you know of the world and i wasn't ready no matter how
1: much i love cool old ladies i wasn't ready to be one (laughs) at 40 well i don't think you seem like one but i know that that's not what this episode is about is me arguing with how you're feeling (laughs) or you trying to pump me up so um but I feel like the mystery, like we don't need to talk about menopause this whole episode mm-hmm. or whatever, but yep. there is a mystery about it for younger women of like, I didn't even know when menopause happened. Like, of course, when I was like 15, I thought 40 year olds were in menopause. I was yeah. like, <laughs> you know, you can have a kid until you're 40 and then you can't have a kid anymore. And it's like, <laughs> that's clearly not true. But I just never really cared or asked anyone like. How old are you when you go to menopause? And like the truth is, it's like it varies and it depends. And like they don't know before they recommend that I go into this forced menopause if I would have naturally gone into it at 45 or if I would have naturally gone into it at 55. Like there's like some speculation based on like your family members and like stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. when you started your period, maybe, or I don't know, is is that true even? Or am I I making that up?
0: I think that's true. But, again, it's just all, like, all the things that we know about it are are cartoons. Like, it's that... And, like, jokes and... Yeah, that, oh, you don't want to have a teenage daughter and a mom in menopause at the same time. (laughs) Because they'll just, you know, it's just, it's such bullshit. Because women don't ever get to be vocal about
1: what their bodies are going through. So, let's fucking change that. And it's also, like, not true that your entire, like sex life closes down either just no to say that like it's just not like get some fucking lube you're gonna be fine
0: exactly
1: um
0: and it's not it you know for cancer people it's not just the menopause thing there's so many things about cancer that that fucks you up there's yeah. you know people with ostomies that are having to deal completely. with that is their new mm-hmm. normal there's like all of the random pains that you have in your body. Obviously, people are getting amputations from cancers yeah. and things like that.
1: And not being in or just being in chemical menopause from treatment, from chemo or from a surgery or a oophorectomy or hysterectomy. Yeah. There's just a whole thing. And like this isn't even supposed to be a sex episode, but we're kind of like on this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to like do an actual sex episode so if you want to contribute a letter for that or you have any questions that you want us to like bring up definitely do but yeah i do think a lot about how the effects of cancer range anywhere from like permanent side effects to like a disability you know what i mean and like sometimes it's sexual sometimes it's just something physical in your body and it's more outward, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's scars, you know, there's this whole range that we all have to deal with from our body. And there's like, each one of us has a different other deck of cards that we're dealing with in our personal lives, whether it's our job or our relationship, or Mm -hmm. if we're single and we're trying to date or, you know, it's just like so much to navigate.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's something too about the mental load of going through all of it even Mm -hmm. if you know that you're going to come out of the other side say you know you you have breast cancer and you are going to have reconstruction and your hair is going to grow back but you still have to go through that period of time where um you know you your chest is maybe flat you're bald Mm -hmm. and for people i think who generally present as more femme that can be really dysphoric for them mm-hmm. totally. um, and like that's something that takes a lot of processing to just have your own image of how you how you see yourself how you know the world sees you be totally altered
1: even if it's only for you know six months out of your life but it's also like coinciding with this time where your entire life is so out of control yeah and then your outward appearance suddenly is like completely shifted. And I mean, you already feel so on display as a cancer patient that, you know, you know, when you like run into somebody at the grocery store who, you know, like, you know that they go home and then they're like, dude, I ran into amy at the grocery store no how is you know like you know yes. it's like you're suddenly like a d-list celebrity just because uh-huh. you're like somebody who is at trader joe's who's like going through chemo or something with yep the people you know even i mean I, i'm not saying that in a cool way i'm saying that in a way where you're like i fucking know they're gonna go home and be like Guess oh my who god, I god she, looks she said she's okay she yeah. looked thin or she looked yep. fat or you know like yeah. she looked bald or whatever you know yep Or happy or sad, you know, like it's you're being analyzed.
0: You totally are. And that's the thing, too, is other people's perceptions of like what a cancer patient looks like are so wrong so often. Like totally like you can be put on steroids that make you swell up. A lot of Mm -hmm. people gain weight
1: when they're in treatment. Yeah. And you don't when you see the person at Trader Joe's, you don't want to be like, listen, I know that like. I look really, really bloated right now, but like it's for my steroids or whatever. Or you don't want to be like, if you have lost weight, like thinking about how they're going to think that that means you're really sick or something.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to point it out to them either, like because then you're hoping that they just aren't noticing. You're like hoping beyond hope that... They're not like, oh, God, she looks so wrinkly and old. God, like just <laughs> so you don't want to be like, I know that I have really dry skin. I know
1: that I have weird adult. acne. Yeah, just... that's like exactly what I was just thinking about is like how like I do feel like I've aged maybe like seven years in the yeah. last one year. And yes, some of that is from treatment and chemo and radiation and um worrying you know? Yeah. And some of that is the hormone treatment I'm doing right now. But I was totally thinking about how, like, I don't even want to complain about it because some people might not look at me closely enough to be like, <laughs> I don't want to be like, don't you think that there's, like, more wrinkles around, like, my neck area? And, like, like oh, actually, now that you pointed out, yeah, you
0: know, like, <laughs> yeah. just
1: like, oh, maybe, I
0: I I, maybe they don't notice. I have a great cream that my mom uses. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man and also like we're all coming out of like a year in lockdown and so I, know. I see all these memes about people like emerging as a butterfly and i'm like you guys i'm limping along as like a caterpillar with four fewer
1: legs than but I mean, you, you saw me with <laughs> yeah and that like brings up a really good point though that like to go through treatment during a pandemic is different in so many ways but that is one way where like normally like if this were like six years ago when this was happening to us to our bodies, uh huh, you would at least be seeing people like right here and there or at least more frequently, even if it's just like a barbecue and then like yeah. running into them at like dinner or whatever. But it is like a year. So then you run into people and you're like, uh yes, it's me, not my older sister that you haven't met. <laughs>
0: you just have to hope that the pandemic was equally unkind to them (laughs) just kidding just kidding
1: totally also there's this idea though that you're not supposed to complain about shit like that because like at Uh least you're alive is like the shit that people say which i think is like such bullshit.
0: It's so condescending. Like, you can't just be a person with feelings. You have to suddenly be this, like, exemplary human who is above feeling any sort of vanity or anything like that. Yeah,
1: completely. I call it vanity shaming. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Where you just get completely dismissed and told you're not supposed to think that way because there's this other thing. And that's just not how work you know right and i really hate the at least you're alive thing because it's true it's like yes duh at least you're alive too dude whoever's saying that you know but that's not the fucking point like you know like my the bottoms of my feet hurt when i wake up in the morning now and i'm pretty sure it's due to the hormone thing i don't know um but it's like walking from my room out to the kitchen or whatever i'm always like kind of like oh You know, as I walk and I'm like, who the fuck is this person that is in my body right now? Whose feet hurt? I don't know, but that's my life. But it's like, that's a real thing. And no, that's not like being sick with chemo right now, but that's still like something. But just to, to always have it compared, like it makes me think about like, if you think of somebody if you're not a cancer person and you complain about something like a ticket and it's really expensive and like mm-hmm. you're really bummed on it and so you're complaining to another non-cancer person right yeah and then that person says to you well at least you don't have cancer like <laughs> yeah. it would fucking piss you off yeah like you'd be like yeah that's not the point well it's true though at least you don't have you know yeah and like that's how it feels when a non-cancer person says to a cancer person well at least you're not at least you're alive right where it's just like yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like.
0: No shit. I would rather be alive with out adult acne. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have never even noticed that you have a single zit on your face.
0: Oh, but. why thank you.
1: But then again.
0: <laughs> We've never met in person.
1: So. We've never met. <laughs> hey, we're going to do a giveaway today we
0: are we're announcing the winner of our giveaway
1: yeah tell us about the giveaway and should we do the should we just do it now or do you want to do the winner before letters it's up to you i don't
0: care yeah let's do the win let's announce the winner before letters but i will say that um we did it on instagram we asked people to tag their cancer friends or just friends or friends yes Mm -hmm. whatever um this is definitely not uh, cancer-specific giveaway, but it's just, it's a cute tote bag and a stainless steel water bottle in a ceramic mug mm-hmm. uh, for you to keep or share. We have merch! We Steph have made us such cute merch! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am really excited for us to get to the point where we can start donating some real cash money to MetaViver and other orgs like that, so... I thought this was a
1: good way to get a jump start on it and we're giving some of it away. Yeah. If you want to check it out, if you want to make a purchase, you can. We're not going to like have a big commercial about it, but just on our website, cancerforbreakfast.com, you can see the cool designs and then... Well,
0: if you were following along on Instagram, it will come as no surprise that this person is the winner because they were literally in it to win it. They were like Tagging everybody they knew and my house off to her. So at O
1: Annie G, you are our winner. When you told me that person won, I was like, wait, did they legitimately win? Or did you just like maybe like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just give it to this person. And you're like,
0: no, really, they really won. It was
1: really true. I
0: used a randomizer. Um but there So was... statistics, sati- statistics are real.
1: I don't know how to speak.
0: <laughs> statistics are real. <laughs> Shit. She has
1: some cool swag coming her way. Yeah, we will message you on Instagram and get your address and send that over. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm going to read just a couple of letters before we do rats or if we want to chat a tiny bit more if anything else comes up. Um before then that's cool too yeah um so this is a letter from a gal named serena she writes hey ladies first i want to thank you for this podcast it's such a hoot and i've really enjoyed every episode so grateful to hear the two of you talking about cancer like normal people that's what she thinks um, just <laughs> kidding it is a breath of fresh air thank you serena thanks um, serena Second, I wanted to send some thoughts over on the subject of body image. How timely. (laughs) Um, Though my comments are really about hair image, I never realized how important my hair was to me and my sense of self until I lost it all during chemo in 2018. It is hard to describe the feeling of being a bald woman. People look away. Strangers avert their eyes because it's so uncomfortable for them. It's amongst the worst feelings I've ever had in my life. It made me angry at myself for being so vain and for buying into these bullshit beauty standards to begin with. Once I went there, it was hard to go back in a million ways. I feel like a different person who I feel like a different person than who I was before cancer. It's partly why my hair is now. It's natural gray. It's an external reflection of the different person I am inside. And the new me will never give my appearance that much power again. Being quote-unquote pretty is a privilege. I've always known that, but what I didn't know before cancer is that it's also an albatross. Losing my looks was painful, but also liberating. For a long time, it was hard to look at pictures. I miss my old hair so much. When I look at my hair now, I don't see pretty. I see strength. I see freedom. I see a woman who has more important things to do than her hair, and I like it that way. Mm -hmm. Do I still miss my old hair? Sure. In the same way that you might miss an old boyfriend from time to time, but you aren't running out on your husband in search of him. (laughs) I think this is just part of the messy terrain of age and life experience. You lose some things and you gain others. Thanks for reading this and for all that you do. I've definitely added your podcast to my cheesy list of quote unquote Cancer silver linings. I know, oh. I know. Exo Serena. Oh, Serena. and then she says, P.S. I'm in the triple negative vaccine clinical trial at Mayo <gasps> Clinic right now. And Whoa. was so glad to hear you mention it. The little bit that I understand is super cool, and it would be great for an upcoming rats. Yes, awesome. that is awesome. Serena. Um Dude, the bald thing is real like Mm -hmm. it's just so real and I don't know what the fuck hair is that has so much weight to who we are as people or like what we've experienced Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like I feel like I always would notice that when like somebody would go through a really big breakup they would chop their hair off yeah like there's something about like the past years of life that it took like you just want to like rip it out or chop it off or like cut your own bangs like you don't even want to like go get your hair done sometimes you just like I just want to chop it off yes Mm -hmm. like what is that and like when I was bald and it was like you know the beginning of the pandemic and there's all this crazy energy like I wanted to chop my own hair off but I didn't have any hair and I was like oh my god this feeling still happens even when you're bald (laughs) like but what is this feeling I'm just like I just want to like cut it. Like, do you know what I mean?
0: I absolutely know what you mean. And um, I am somebody who's basically had the same haircut my entire life. Um, I have pretty severe bangs. And um, that's why I think I just maintain the severe bangs. Because every time I have, like, a depressive episode, I, you just <laughs> I cut them it. again. It kind of helps, though. <laughs> it does help. I absolutely believe that. And, yeah, I think that, like... Serena is so right on about reclaiming that strength that comes with accepting your body the way it actually is.
1: I feel it, too. And it's it's almost like once that hair is gone. I mean, it's awful and being bald is awful and all that stuff. But I kind of feel the same way about just like, fuck it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, I do not like what my hair looks like now. I did a few episodes ago. (laughs) But really when it's this short, it changes every three millimeters. It's true. Um, but I I fucking hate it. But I also don't give a shit. I'm just like, whatever, you know? Yeah. But there's something we could do a whole episode on the bald thing and like maybe we should. And obviously, like not everybody loses their hair with cancer. It's such a like symbol of cancer. Mm -hmm. Um for some people, not losing your hair is actually problematic during treatment because everyone just treats you like you're fucking normal and like what's happening to you isn't a big deal. Oh, hi. I've heard that,
0: that from that's, people. That's me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, everybody assumed that I would I would be losing my hair and have made funny comments about it, you know, like assuming that my hair is a wig or right um, <laughs> or that I'm just about to lose my hair. And so, that's yeah, right. but um, yeah, I mean, I obviously don't know what it's like, but I do fully believe that hair is really integral to our personalities and stuff. One thing that's really interesting to me, just on the subject of hair in general, Uh I know this gal who is one of those people that has really that absolutely beautiful white gray hair. Uh Uh-huh. And... I complimented her on it one time and I just was like, oh, my God, your hair is just beautiful. I hope that when I go gray, that's what my hair looks like. And she was like, it's so funny that you say that because I actually hate it. Hmm. Um, and she was like, I don't, you know, it feels weird to me to dye it, but um, I don't love it. And it's because when I was a younger woman, I always had very dark hair. I had dark brown hair and I didn't realize how much I identified with being a brunette until mm-hmm. my hair was no longer dark. And I had never, it's so weird. I feel like this is just back to that older women are invisible thing. I had legitimately never thought of gray hair as being a light colored hair. Mm-hmm. It was just gray hair. But she was right. And I can't imagine just naturally going from being a brown haired person to like platinum blonde and right. having having to reassess my identity as that that person and it makes Mm -hmm. no sense why i feel that being a brunette is like integral to my identity it's so stupid but it is for whatever reason
1: yeah it's real hair it's got the power Um, but also it doesn't so don't worry about it too much it's not it is just such a symbol of being a sick person though like when you do lose your hair in chemo to like look at yourself in the mirror or just like that moment of deciding if you shave it or waiting it out as it's just falling out and falling out. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of like becomes a time where it's like, all right, it's time. It's kind of like when you have like a 19 year old cat where you're like, do I put it to sleep or do I let it live for another few days? It seems okay, you know, but then it's yeah. like, a, but it is kind of like, like a cat at a certain point you pull at your hair and it comes out like a cat hair like shedding cat hair just like your whole fist when you barely even tug it's just full of hair and you're like what the fuck and like I just remember being at lunch with a friend of mine who actually was somebody who had just finished her treatment and somebody that I had met who was lovely And it was like that moment where I looked down, I was wearing my jean jacket and there's just like hair all over the jean jacket. And I was like, oh my God, it was kind of happening yesterday, but like, it's totally happening. And it was like the day that they say your hair is going to start coming out. Like for my chemo, I think it's like day 17 or something like that is like when it really comes. And then I held on for another couple of days. But, but it is that moment you see in the movies, you know, of like shaving your head or having your partner shave your head and you know the cancer person is crying or it's like this emotional thing and it's it's fucking heavy even if you're like i don't even give a shit let's just get on with it It's still, it's it just represents so much yeah and it's it's hard
0: it's such a tangible representation that your body is going through the shit
1: yeah i remember actually feeling kind of relieved when my hair started coming out because I was doing really well on chemo. And like I said, I was like maybe 17 days into it. So mm-hmm. I think I had had two, two chemos or just one. I don't remember, but, um, but I wasn't having very terrible side effects and they're more like cumulative. Right. So mm-hmm. like, as it goes, they get a little bit worse, but mm-hmm. like I felt pretty good. And so of course my cancer brain was like, well, you're feeling good. So this is clearly not working. Like you just have a body of steel that can take anything. (laughs) Like, that's why like, you know, like I can drink and be fine. You know, like I'm not like a lightweight with a lot of things, you know? Yeah, And so I'm like, chemo is just not touching me so then when my hair started coming out i'm like okay it's touching me it's probably working and then my oncologist was like no that has nothing to do with it like that does not mean it's not working that just means you're lucky (laughs) like just like (laughs) yeah but anyway okay should we read another letter yeah let's do okay um okay so this is from this wonderful woman who has an instagram account called mastectomy and sexy. We'll talk about her her. a little bit after I read the letter. And this is actually a two-parter, but I'm going to save the second part of it for when we actually do do the sex episode. Um, But I'll read this one because it's more kind of like bod. Okay. Okay. I love embracing my sexy as a post mastectomy woman in my thirties. It feels comfortable. And I wasn't always like that. I've never been good at fashion and flirting. I could never figure out and frequently considered myself somewhat of an awkward duck. Like, I was the funny girl that was cute enough to score a semi-decent boyfriend here and there, but I would see other girls in their magical body language and perfect physiques and be in awe. How did they do it? I was always trying to fit into a mold that was uncomfortable for me and felt like a bad performance. Being diagnosed with breast cancer was surreal, and I thought that having a mastectomy would knock me down so hard. But something interesting happened that I wasn't expecting. Cancer and my double mastectomy excused me from feeling like I needed to conform and compare myself to those magazine models. Cancer was like, forget it. And that's it. Forever. Gate closed. (laughs) When my physical appearance was being wrecked, it allowed me to focus on what I transcendently valued about myself. I realized that my value was in being a really damn good person. I walked around confident as ever feeling sexy as fuck because I am so proud of my soul, what I am and what I have been through. It honestly makes me feel powerful in my weakest or on my weakest days. If I just remind myself that sexy is a mindset, not a body part, losing my breasts was a reason to switch up my energy let go say fuck it laugh louder be weirder and be all out me for the rest of my time here people notice that spark and it is oh so sexy
0: yes
1: oh i love her so much tell us a little bit about her because she's so awesome
0: okay so mastectomy and sexy is her instagram handle but her name is Laura Pike, and she is just this badass who, as she said, had a double mastectomy. And she is so raw and so real on her Instagram account about showing her body exactly as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, she is sensual and um, informative, and she just does such a service while being hilarious and awesome and just like fully inhabiting her body Um, and she is compiling a website right now of photo resources of mastectomies and um, Mm -hmm. it's not quite out yet but I told her we will totally hype it as soon as it launches Um, and if you have photos of yourself uh, either you know like pre and post mastectomy or or whatever um, I'm sure she would love to have those for her website. Um she does only on her Instagram is is only her, but uh she's just like the raddest and I was so excited that she wrote this for
1: us. Yeah, she's great. And also the second part of the letter is like advice for you know being a sexual person post cancer or during treatment and it's so fire. So I can't wait to wait to share that with you as well. So thank you yes. so much for sending both parts of the letter. Yay. I do love how there's like this recurring theme between her letter um and Serena's though of just kind of like embracing this new, you know, self. Yeah. And finding power in that. Yeah. It's I mean, awesome.
0: It is awesome. I I think that it's hard for people to get to that point, but once you do, it's so
1: liberating.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I just wish that for every.
1: Everybody who goes through cancer, me too. But it's also okay to mourn the changes because of course that shit's hard. Um and then I'm just gonna read one more real quick quickie from um a lovely gal named Dana. Mm,
0: hi Dana.
1: Um she says, Hey Amy and Steph, I'm currently listening to your podcast's first episode and I'm loving it. So relatable. I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in February, currently in chemotherapy. I'm 22 and I always get stared at, at the oncologist. Oh. An old man once asked me what I was doing there. <laughs> I was like, "Um, waiting for my treatment. How about you? <laughs> he was shocked. Most people connect cancer to only older people. LOL. It's really funny seeing different reactions from different people. I also love to make jokes about having cancer. That's my way of coping. And sometimes when I'm being sarcastic, other people get offended because they don't know how to handle it. (laughs) Looking forward to listening to the next episode's greetings from Germany, Dana. Germany. Thank you, Dana. Dana. Yeah. Chemo during the fucking pandemic, girl. We are feeling you. Yeah. And it is hard. And I agree even being, you know, I was like 39 in chemo and I felt like i was a youngin you know looking around the room just they'd look at you and be like oh
0: yeah (sighs) i i can't imagine i just like my heart goes out to people who are who are in active treatment that like really lays you up during the pandemic because you don't have those people who can like come over and cook you dinner or like leave Mm -hmm. you know leave food for you and do some laundry or whatever. um, That's just got to be so hard. And also, like, you're 22. You should go out and be an idiot, you know? Like, (laughs) go have fun and and be making bad choices
1: while you're... Yeah. There's... There's no rhyme or reason for this bullshit. But thank you for writing. We feel you. We hope you didn't stop listening at episode two. Because <laughs> <laughs> She's just, like, actually, how do I unsend that letter? These bitches aren't that great. Retracted. <sighs> but, you know, you like to joke about cancer. And that's like a way you're coping with it. And a way that you're expressing what's going on. Find some other friends with cancer. Because I bet other 22 year olds or 20 somethings have a similar sense of humor about it. Mm-hmm. It is hard though, to like joke with non-cancer people. Cause they are like, am I supposed to laugh <laughs> or like, am I supposed to be like, don't say that. <laughs> I remember like when I was actually, um, shaving my head, I went to my friend's house and I was like, just shave it off, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I ha- Ended up actually having to go to a barber shop because the buzz cut she gave me was not close enough to the skin and it's too much and da-da-da-da. Whatever. I'll tell that story another day. <laughs> but she shaved it and I was suddenly like bald, you know? Yeah. And I was like kind of laughing and I looked in the mirror and then I just said without even thinking, I said, oh my God, look at me. I look like somebody you'd feel sorry for in a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and her and her husband were like, oh, and they were like oh my god amy and like they were like they laughed but it was like a really shocked laugh like yeah. i cannot believe she said that and i didn't even really realize that i was saying was so shocking like i thought it was kind of funny but i was also like oh that actually is totally fucked up what i just said <laughs> but because i'm me i don't yeah think it is you know but it is kind of like people don't know what to do but.
0: shocking the poor people without cancer <laughs> how dare you <laughs>
1: So should we talk about
0: some recent advances in treatment and science?
1: Do we want to learn some stuff? I might. Do you want to get educational here? I might. I would love to hear it.
0: bonkers study to talk about it's kind of a quick one but like this is an oh my god study like I can't believe stuff like this doesn't it's like not on the front page of every paper oh my god I'm so excited I mean I can believe it because like nobody cares about science anymore but I do and here is the study I got my um, my information from Princeton.edu because this is a story of how a Princeton team of researchers has discovered a new organelle involved in cancer metastasis. And um, I will just quickly, for the people who don't remember everything from biology class, I'll She's do a little little refresher. Yeah. In cell biology, an organelle is a um, it's a specialized like organ. They call it an organelle because it does the same function as an organ in a body, you know, in like anybody. Um, so these structures are parts of cells as organs are to the body, um, but it has a specific function. So it can be anything like an organ in the human body, you know, it has like the kidneys filter things and the stomach digest things and blah, blah, blah. So organelles have their own jobs and a Princeton team has discovered this new organelle and um, they were doing what they thought was a straightforward investigation into how cancer spreads through the body, um, specifically about how bone metastasis happens. And they found this liquid-to-liquid phase separation, which I read about, and it all comes down to a lava lamp. Like, if you imagine a lava lamp, that is liquid-to-liquid separation. Mm -hmm. So you've got the globs, they separate, they reform. So they said they believe this is the first time that phase separation has been implicated in cancer metastasis. Um, They realized that these blobs of liquid are merging together and they create more than the sum of their parts. They create this organelle that is implicated in how bone metastasis occurs So discovering a new organelle is like a huge fucking deal. Um, It would be like discovering a secret second stomach or something, you know, in the human body. Mm -hmm. And um, they said, you know, some of them, some organelles in a cell they've known about for 100 years, but this one is brand new. Like they just they discovered it. So... um, they're saying this has really large implications for like understanding just what a cell does and what it's capable of. But, um, they are trying to understand how the cell organizes itself and controls its behavior. Um, and that understanding is starting to shift. So, um, what they're seeing is that the, um, this, Liquid to liquid, lava lamp situation is um, vital to embryonic development in countless organisms. So, cancer is co-opting this pathway and corrupting its ability to grow, and that's how it's growing tumors. So, the guy who who discovered this pathway won the Nobel Prize in 1995, wow. and. So this is like building on his research. His name was Eric Weishaus. He won the 1995 Nobel Prize. And um, and so they're building, these people at Princeton are building on that, that research. The, um, <clears throat> it's called a WNT signaling pathway. And it plays multiple roles in healthy bone growth as well as unhealthy bone growth. So cancer metastasizing to bones. And they're just trying to investigate this interplay between the signaling molecule and this relatively unknown gene where they discovered this new organelle. So um, they basically have done a bunch of experiments where they, they have pieced together what's happening with this organelle situation. And the bone tumors initially induce... Um, the WNT signaling and that travels and is kind of like a game of telephone throughout the bone. And it creates these new organelles in a way that suppresses that WNT signaling. So it, it doesn't allow the healthy growth to happen. And then the tumors stimulate this growth that scrubs away old bone tissue. So they're really learning a lot about specifically bone metastasis just from discovering this new organelle. And um, it is still pretty poorly understood, like how that happens. Um, And so the main researcher says, he's the co-author of the paper, his last name is... Um, Brangwin, B-R-A-N-G-W-Y-N-N-E. And he says, quote, This study provides new insights into the interplay of cancer signaling pathways and condensate biophysics, and it will open up many new therapeutic avenues. Um, So I'll put that in the show notes. It was just really cool. Yeah. And (laughs) I don't know, like as a parent, when I see young people in these pictures, it's just like, hi, I work at Princeton and like, I just discovered an, <laughs> a brand new thing in the world. I just think like, oh my God, your mom must be so proud. No. <laughs> um, But yeah, it was, it was amazing to read about. Like, it's just a completely new frontier in, I, I, yeah, it was wild. How new is this? It seriously, literally just happened. Um, like hot off the presses? March 9th, 2021. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. So um, the cancer researchers, um, the primary researchers are Yibin Kang and Marcus Bezito. Um, They're the ones who discovered they still it's so new. They haven't even named this new organelle. Um, wow. Yeah, it's liquid to liquid phase separation. And um, they say, quote, we believe this is the first time that phase separation has been implicated in cancer metastasis. That is a quote from Yibin Kang. So That is so cool. Yeah, obviously I have skin in the game as far as Mm -hmm. bone metastasis goes. um, But there are bone metastasis or metastases in um, a lot of different cancers. And so it's not, not just
1: like breast cancer. No. It's huge. Yeah. Well... I've said it before, science is moving so fast and it's like moving exponentially fast. It's not just, you know, how it's always been. Who knows what is going to happen in the next five years? Yeah, it's so exciting to think about. Yeah. But it's like, let's fund some shit. Let's fund more research so that stuff like this can be really examined and Built upon.
0: Well, I hope so. I mean, that was like part of Joe Biden's whole thing is that they were going to fund the cancer moonshot initiative because he lost his son to yeah. brain cancer. So. He better he better make good on that.
1: Yeah, you better.
0: You you heard us. That's Joe it. riding with Biden. We'll ride with you if you if you do this. Yeah, cure cancer. No big. Okay. Thank you so much, Steph. It is my pleasure. I love a good rats.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I know you do. I'll love a good rats. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. Hey, it's our tenth episode. It is our tenth episode. Happy tenth episode anniversary. What's the? Yeah, like what's the tenth episode anniversary? It's not paper. It's like mattresses. Ooh, possibly tap water it's the tap water anniversary (laughs) (laughs) yes um well cool so thanks everyone so much for listening we'll be talking in great length more about bodies that was just like the tip of the berg it was
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll keep talking about bodies as long as we get to keep having them Which will be a
1: long, long time, God willing. I hope so. And hopefully everyone who's listening is doing great. Please uh, follow us on Instagram if you haven't, at Cancer for Breakfast. And go ahead and just rate us right now while you're at it, especially if you're listening to Apple Podcasts because they have such a a rateable raider. Mm, They sure do. That raider they've got is great. You can just like... (laughs) click whatever star you feel good about and press it
0: yep 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 um
1: subscribe if
0: you feel like doing that too
1: and Mm -hmm. um thanks for listening yeah thank you so much have a great day everybody and i hope everyone is doing as well as they can be in this moment in this modern hellscape (laughs) see on the interwebs you know where to find us hang in there babies Breakfast
0: is hosted by Amy Dials and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee.
1: Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com.
0: much for listening. Thanks for listening.